0: Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Church Day, and here we go again. Now, did you come prayed up expecting God to speak to you today? Come on, I hope you did. Don't let me be the only one praying God up in here. Come on. Well, look, I'm going to, you know, I want a lot of things I want to talk with you about, but i got a lot to get into today because I'm going to dive right into this. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to talk with you today about living a God-first life. And I'm going to tell you right up front, this is probably the hardest message. Well, this is definitely the hardest message I've preached since we've been a church, at Compass Church, since I've been pastoring here. And I don't like preaching hard messages. But you know, as your pastors, I don't push you a little and challenge you a little bit. I'm not doing my job. And the reason God put this on my heart is because so many people are struggling right now. So many people. Are, are coming under attacks in different ways. And I see this in your lives, and God is showing this to me in different ways. And so he, he dropped this message on my heart, and I was like, God, are you sure you want me to go down this path? And he was like, yes, you need to. Somebody needs to hear this, and somebody needs a revelation of this today. So I'm going to dive right in this, and I want you to stay with me and hang in there, stay awake, and it's going to be good. It's going to be awesome. And, and to start with, I just want to ask you, have you ever really thought, what is my job as your pastor? All right, and as I wrote this out, this is how I put it down. What is my job? So I thought about that, and then traditionally speaking, I guess you. Well, before I say that, let me say you understand that church culture changes. Okay, the way that we had church in the '80s is different from the way that we have church now. Some people say that the way I preach now is a little too overpassionate for the type. This time, no pastors don't preach that way now. Well, I can't help it. That's me, and that's just the way I am. I get a little passionate sometimes, you know. I don't apologize for that, but church culture does change, you know. And traditionally speaking, back in the day, the pastor's job was, of course, to preach and teach, all right? And we still do that today, all right? Take care of the people, take care of their needs, hospital visits, spiritual counseling when needed, all right? Of course, we do weddings. I do funerals, baptisms, communion. We did that last week. Sorry, Keith missed that, but it's okay. The family was here. (laughs) Keith wasn't here last week. But also, I administrate the church, all right? So, church administrator. And I just listed out some things that are my responsibility. And traditionally speaking, this is the way church was done for years, all right? And, of course, I lead any outreach or missions projects and all that. But another way to look at that, which is today's model, all right, in church culture, is I guess you could call it a contemporary side of the way people view the pastor today is is he cast the vision for the church and I I do that God gave me a vision and next I motivate people to get behind that vision because I can't accomplish this vision without you it's going to take us all you know we're all a part of this we're all a family amen and of course I'm the church CEO so I got to be pretty good at my business practice and I think I do a pretty good job of that and, of course, I, I developed the leadership and developed the culture of the church itself, okay? And, this, and, and, and both of these models are great. And, listen, I'm not putting any model down or right or wrong. They both have value and they both are true. But if I looked at this and I said, well, God, I looked at it. Theologically, they're both a little bit weak. That means they both have a little bit of downfalls, okay? Essentially, in church culture, the old model of the pastor Alright, it, it created, it, it, number one, it left no opening for spiritual growth for you. And it created an environment where it was just dependency on me. Alright, and that could be, that's further from the truth. That's further from, from what I teach you because, listen, God couldn't call me to save the world. I'm, I couldn't do it alone. Alright, so it takes all of us. And that's what I teach you here. I teach you that you're called. You all play a part. You're special. God created you with a purpose to expand His, his will. All right, they expand the kingdom. All right, but that model, the traditional model, focuses and creates a me, me, me attitude. In other words, people want to know what can I get from the church, rather than how can I serve the church or serve other people. So that's just some of the downsides there. But on the other hand, if you look at the new model that's that's really doing really well right now, and I'm not putting any any either one of these down or any churches that do either one. I'm just making a point here. The new model is a CEO leader model, okay? And it produces a very well grow, grow, grow mentality and attitude. And all of these ideas in these these church models are centered around secular leadership roles. Some of these churches have major leadership teachers a part of their team. And that's all good and that's great, all right? And what they did is they took the business practice and they adapted it to the church environment. And that's great. And it's working in a lot of places, okay? But there's dangers there also. You know, understand nothing's perfect. And one of the biggest dangers with that model is it can lead people to follow a charismatic face rather than biblical principles. All right, that's very dangerous. Very dangerous. Remember I told you last week, be very careful about jumping on a trend because a lot of times trends can pull you from the truth. All right, I'm not saying that's happening anywhere, but it very well could happen. Now, the second problem with this model all right, is it focuses only on the local church, and it overlooks the importance and the value in the global church. You see, we're, we're not only called to be a part of where we are right here, we're called to expand this and be a part of growing the, growing the global church. All right, and, and, and the emphasis on this particular model becomes more about growing the mega church rather than, watch this, a healthy church. Okay, and that's so, so dangerous. And I hope you know that's not my heart. Now, there's nothing against make a church. As I was a part of one in Tulsa, Oklahoma, had over 10,000 members. It was great. It established well. It was established with biblical principles, had ways for people to grow spiritually. And it had a way of creating that small church feel in a large church, which is very difficult to do. All right? So, my heart is to make a healthy church. All right? And that means, it, it, and it means I want you healthy. Okay? And so I'm praying all this out and I'm looking all this out and and I'm just kind of sharing my heart with you right now. And I said, Well, God, I want to I wanna know where what is my full, complete job as your pastor. So the only place I knew to look was in Jesus' ministry. All right? And the New Testament account shows what Jesus did and the five things that he did. Of course, he developed his relationship with his father. Okay, he preached the gospel, he met the needs of his people. He made disciples. Listen, discipleship is getting thrown to the wayside now. So vitally important. That's why it's in our vision. Create disciples, grow disciples. All right. And number five, Jesus gave his life as a sacrifice. So, in other words, my job as your pastor, all right, this is where I came to, is to study and hear the word from God, rightly divide that word, then present it to you, all right, so that you can grow, feed and nurture you, care for you as you need it make and grow disciples. Very important. And present my life as a living sacrifice. Okay. So why am I sharing all this with you? Why am I sharing this with you? It's my heart. My heart for each and every person. Anybody that knows me can tell you this is true. My heart is to see you succeed. All right. My heart is not to build a church where I can have a mansion on a hill five boats in the at the lake house, ten cars in the garage so I can just go pick and drive, whichever one I want, so I don't ever have to work and sweat or do anything. My job and my heart is to see you succeed. I want to see you succeed and walk in victory more than you, I think, your only family would want you to see. You guys will never understand that completely, but that's my heart, and I'm being 100% honest and genuine with you, all right? and and And, and as we get into this, As we get into this, you'll you'll get a revelation of this more, I hope. So essentially, I want to feed you every time I come up here. I want to feed you each week and stand up. I want to encourage you in the things of God. I want to share truths, nuggets about so you can grow spiritually, show you how and help you to make disciples and help you be discipled yourself. All right, that's all part of my job. Just as Jesus told Peter, go and feed the sheep. Go and feed the sheep. That's my job. But the hardest part of my job, the hardest part, and most pastors will do their whole career and never cover this, and it's very dangerous, and and they end up reaping the consequences of it as a result. But the hardest part of my job is I have to give direction to my sheep as I see it. Okay? And listen, this isn't a message of condemnation. This isn't a message of pointing a finger. This is something that God dropped on my heart that I see is happening in some of your lives. And not just you, but people in this city. And it's time for us to get passionate about the things of Christ, being bold about the things of Christ, taking responsibility for our Christian walk. All right? And making a difference. All right? Because listen, and I see a lot going on. A lot, I've dealt with some people. And this, some of the people i dealt with last week were not even in this church. It, just, it, helped, it helped bring some of this home for me. And, and I want you to know, uh, th- it wasn't easy putting this together. Uh, so I want to talk with you today about honoring God with your life. And I mean every part of your life. Every part of your life. Living a God-first life in everything you do. All right, since we started the church... I've shared biblical instruction, concepts, anything I could possibly think of, anything that God put on my heart to help you, to help benefit you in your spiritual growth. All right, We talked about prayer, love, praise, faith. We talked about staying positive in a negative world. We talked about counting it all joy, how to get victory. We talked about understanding the will of God for your life. You see, you're called. We're all called. And we all have our own realm of influence, and we're going to be held accountable one day for how we influence those within our realm of influence. And if you ever just grasp how da- I'm not dangerous, but how that how important that is, man, it'll make you have a whole different outlook on life. Or it should. We should. Amen. So, but I've told you time and time again, you're qualified. You're created with a purpose, and you, and and you have so much potential, guys. God shows me. Some things about some of you guys and I don't hound you. I don't hound you at all but I see your potential. God shows me your potential. God show, God has shown me some of the things that he would like to do with some of you but you got to be in a place to be ready to step into that. So I don't ride you. I don't hound you. I just want to help you grow and help you help you understand the will of God for your life and when you're ready to step into it I want to see you step into that and that's the success that I want to see in my people. I want every purpose, person that is a member of Compass Church walking in victory, setting that example example amen that's how we're going to impact a community amen how we're going to impact our community but i've been putting a lot of good things out there for you a lot of good principles you know on wednesday night wednesday night we get into some pretty good stuff you know keith shared with us that how we bear the image of christ and kevin shared that how we are spirit we have a soul and we live in a body and then we're overcomers Laurel shared Wednesday night, and I loved that. I loved the fact that she shared that we have been adopted through Jesus Christ. It was so cool. If you missed that, get the podcast. It was really, really good. But even after all of this instruction and encouragement, and this is what breaks my heart, is I see a lot of destruction. And what I mean by destruction is I, I see a lot of attacks coming on a lot of people. And, and you know what? As a pastor, you're always going to see attacks come on your people in your church forever. But what, what, what bothers me the most is I see how people don't know how to react to the attacks. Okay? And that's where I feel like I, maybe I haven't done my job good enough. All right? So those just led me to preach this today. All right? And I, I see complacency. People being comfortable with the attacks of the enemy coming on their lives. And you know... I see a lack of conviction. And even in some cases, and not pointing any fingers, I see a double standard. One, People are one way at church and a different way when they're out in the streets. Listen, that's not a God-first life. It's not a God-first life. We don't need to be. We have to be the example. We have to. We have to be what people want to be, all right? And listen, when I see the enemy sinking his claws into you and he's pulling you down and somebody doesn't know how to do, or they're just kind of complacent, and they go along with it and allowing it to happen, man, that drives me bananas. It drives me bananas, because you know the devil's going to do whatever's possible to keep you from putting God first. In other words, that perfect distraction is always going to be there to stop you from putting God first. But how many of you know how important it is that we put God first in every single thing that we do? Amen. I've heard people time and time again make the commitment. I'm going to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to spend time in the Word. I'm going to spend time in prayer. I'm going to be at my small group on time. I'm going to be there early, and I'm going to be prepared, and I'm going to receive from God. And then they get into this thing a couple of days and they're, gonna, they're intentional. They're going to put God first and then life starts happening. The distractions start coming. And, but it, instead of being intentional and pressing in when times get hard and staying with it, staying, staying, making themselves stay with it, they back down because life gets hectic. Life starts to happen. Distractions start to come. And then in two or three days, a week maybe, the God first mindset is gone. All right, and that's that's that doesn't that's not where I need you to be. That's not where I want you to be. Because listen, it's because if you if you give up, you're never going to step into the perfect will of God for your life. It's why I tell you all the time that it's going to take some work for you to walk this thing out. And, and and I don't I don't say that to scare you away, but I say that so you'll be prepared so when this happens, you can just dive in there and go at it a little harder and press in a little harder and become an overcomer. Amen. And listen, we see, I see this in so many areas. And, and it can be, in, in, in society today, we see it a lot in, in just how people view what is acceptable. We've gotten to, society has now gotten to where they accept so much that is not a God-first life. You see it just in the television we, we, we watch. All right? What, in, in a lot of people, I have a friend of mine. And, and he was talking about this particular TV show, and I was like, why would you want to watch that? And he said, well, I'm an adult, I can handle that. But listen, if you're living a God-first life, why do you want to feed your spirit with that? Because that's what you're doing, all right? So be aware of what you're allowing into yourself off of that TV screen, amen? And I had a I had a gentleman debate me last week, and listen, I don't want to get into any debates, and about alcohol, and, and, and yes, the Bible doesn't say don't drink. It says don't be drunk, all right? And and he's this big issue with this, and, and most of you know my story. I didn't have a pleasant experience with alcohol growing up, all right? But my question to him, and he's a Christian, and he goes to a big church here in town. And if I told you the name, you'd probably fall out on the floor because he's a small group leader. And and he, he he it's okay for them to drink alcohol at their small group. Sad. But my question to him, if you're a Christian you say you are, and you're living a God-first life who is responsible for how you influence those around you, come on, within your realm of influence, my question to him is, why do you want that to be your lifestyle or your example? Amen you got to be, I want you to be intentional and be thinking about. And and just because society says things are okay, listen, in this day and age, we can't base what we do on what society says at all. Listen, we should be shooting for a standard that's at the moon. And we may never reach it all the way, but always shoot for that standard. And that standard has continued to drop, to drop, to drop, to drop. And you know how a standard drops? It starts with a temptation, because it's our nature to sin. All right, it's our nature to do things that make us feel good, whether it be uh, it, whether it be sex outside of marriage, drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be. It makes our body feel good for a little while, so we have a tendency to be tempted to try that. It starts with a temptation. What people end up doing is it, it, they may be a Christian, but they're tempted to. Maybe get in this little gray area over here. So what they start to do is they start looking for, well, let's see who else is doing that. And then after they get enough people that they realize, well, so-and-so's doing that. Well, they're doing that. Well, I guess it's okay. God's not going to punish all of us. And then before you know it, it's just accepted. All right? And that's dangerous. Stay shooting for that standard. Stay shooting for the moon. Don't quit. Don't give up. Amen. All right? Now, I told you this was going to be a tough message, all right? Just hang in there. And please understand, I'm not condemning or pointing fingers at all. I want to shake you. I want to shake you a little bit so you can realize where we are in society. Because, guys, I mean, there's many people that are saying that we're in the end days. And if you look at what is prophesied and what has come to pass, I kind of agree with that. Nobody knows the final time. But I will say that time's short. We need to be taking full advantage of everything that we can All right? Listen, God doesn't want to just be on the sideline for Sunday morning. He wants to be a part of your life. See, so many people today think that they have their career, and that's great. All right, they think that's their life, and then God is just something we do on Sunday. Well, see, that's further from the truth. You, you need to put God first. Allow your career to be the blessing from God. And once you put God first, who knows where your career may go? How God may open doors. How may God may end up blessing you through your career? All right, it's all about your mindset. What are you? What what is what is priority for you? Amen. And I said a hundred times, a thousand times probably, be intentional. Because most all of this is going to go against what you want to do And in the natural. And I, when I say in being intentional, is means to push yourself. Because naturally, you're not going to want to do some of this stuff. Naturally, you're not going to want to get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and study the Word of God. No, you're going to want to sleep as long as you possibly can before the alarm clock goes off to get to work. Come on, I'm being real. All right? But understand this, there are millions of people who, live, who believe in Jesus, millions of people who believe in him, but he is not first in their life. And that's, it's really sad, and this is why you see so many fe- people who are Christians walking in defeat, all right? So many people. We, it's time for us to get to a point and a place in our life that no matter what the cost We're going to choose to put God first, no matter how much money it costs, no matter how much time it costs. Listen to this. No matter what friendship it costs, all right, or maybe even what family member it costs. Listen, you can't be focused on the cost. You just have to know and trust that putting God first is going to put you in a place to be blessed and to walk victorious. Amen. And this is what I'm reminded of. when When I married Michelle... We got married. I had just left a lifestyle that was not good. I mean, it just, it just wasn't good. I won't go into detail, but it wasn't good. Uh, a lot of drug and alcohol there. I, 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 I saw many of my friends take a bullet and die and buried them in the ground. Uh, it was a hard life, and I decided, I'm done. I'm walking away from this. And just the fact that I ended up with her was the grace of God. But I walked away, and when she and I got married, She and I got married. At our wedding, I didn't have a single friend come to my wedding. Not a single friend. My mom, my dad, my sister, and her husband, and her kids. That was it. That was it. But see, that was the price that I paid for walking away from that lifestyle. All right? From walking away. I mean, we literally had to start sitting her friends and family members on my side because it was looking a little bad in the church. Am I right? (laughs) Seriously. But see, I set those things in motion by the choices that I made. And I had to deal with that consequence. It was hard. I was lonely a lot of times. You know how hard it is to be middle-aged and have no friends? It was tough. But you know what? I was determined. I was intentional. I made myself, no matter what, keep God first. And it was, I promise you, (laughs) I look back now and I think about how difficult it was and how many times I was tempted to fall back into those old ways. But I stuck it out. And God has done great and mighty things in my life, and he will do the same in your life. I don't care what it is. You, 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 you need to walk away from, it. you need to drop it down, and you need to let it go and repent and keep your eyes focused on God. Amen? Somebody in here needs to hear this. I know it's not pleasant, but somebody needs to hear it. I really believe that somebody's livelihood is at stake. That's how important that God impressed this on my heart when I was putting this message together. Somebody needs to hear it, all right? And look, I know somebody out there is thinking, well, if I live a God-first life, does that mean that I never, have to, I never make a mistake or never sin? No, absolutely not. We're human. Humans are not perfect. I've made plenty of mistakes over the years, but the difference is I've learned from those mistakes. I've learned to not repeat them. I've learned to be quick to get back to God and get myself right. Repent. Alright, put myself in the back in the right place. And listen, don't think that if you live a God first life that everything's gonna go perfect and hunky dory for you. Alright? It's not. I wish I wish I could tell you it would. And if there's any preachers out there that are telling you that it is, run. Okay? Because listen, there's still gonna be tests, there's still gonna be trials. We still live in a fallen world. There's still gonna be those distractions the enemy's gonna throw up to keep you from putting God first. It will still happen. Amen. But what happens is when you learn to put God first... All right, put God first. You learn to lean on him, no matter how bad the road looks. Remember, that season's just for a season. But you live, and you put your trust and your faith in your heavenly Father, and hopefully you have that relationship with him when you can just talk to him and say, Hey, look, Jack, this road's looking pretty bad, but I know you got my back. I know you're with me. Come on, we're going to ride this thing out, and he's going to bring you through it, and he's going to bring you into victory. Amen. Don't ever, whenever you're in a rough patch, don't ever become complacent and comfortable there. No, you be determined to press in, press into God, and you be determined to know and stand in faith that you're coming out of this. One way or another, we're coming out, and you're coming out victorious. Amen. So, how do we honor God and live a God-first life? All right. First, you've got to realize that as a Christian, God called us to be set apart from the world. Okay? In other words, being set apart means I don't look or act like the rest of the world. All right? That means living a life that's not conformed to the ways of the world. Romans twelve two says, Do not conform to the pattern of this form, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Look, our goal in seeking to be set apart is not to put us in a position to where we're up higher than others. All right? And this is where I see I see a lot of people do this. Oh, I'm a Christian now, and I'm... You know, I'm living for God, and God first, and they have a tendency to talk down to people, okay? That's not where we're supposed to be, okay? We're supposed to be in a position to rise above the ways of the world and live in a life that glorifies God in everything we do. Amen? I mean, I see people. I had a guy the other day tell me, he said, Well, you know, I go to church and I don't cuss. But she cusses, so I don't have anything to do with her. I'm like, okay, all right. Come talk with me. We need to talk, okay? And I hear people say this all the time. And I even say this up here some. It says, I, I say, I need, I need you to look different. And I hear people praise. And I pray when people look at me, uh, I pray they notice something different about me. And I got to thinking about that, and God showed me something. He said, yeah, they need to see something different about you. But the thing is, is they need to see that what makes you different is Jesus. See, it's not about just looking different. All right, it's not about you just not being a part of what they're doing. They need to know why you're not being a part of that. Amen. They got to see the difference. They got to see the Jesus in your life. They got to see the Jesus in your voice. They got to see the Jesus in your actions. Come on, listen. Our ambition isn't for people to see how much that we don't look like the world, but instead to see how much we do look like Jesus. Amen. How much do you look like Jesus? And, and, and know this, Jesus, in John seventeen 15, I'll read that first. It says, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not in, of the world, just as I am not of the world. Listen, Jesus calls us to be in the world, but not of the world. All right? That's you. All right? So don't distance yourself from the secular world. All right? Now listen, here's where we find the clean balance on everything. If you're cutting off ties like I did and walking away from an, a lifestyle of death and destruction, well, you know what? When you're over here and, and you're, not, you're new to the things of God, no, you, you you need to cut off the secular world because they're going to continue to pull you back over here and you're going to be balancing a fence and you're never going to walk in success. you got to let it go. Let it go or they will it will end up pulling you down, understand, and kill you. That's what the devil's goal is there, all right? So, but in the natural, in our sense, those that are spiritually strong, we need to be a light to the world. We need to go to the secular world, and we need to influence them. All right? Well, listen, when you don't know who you are in Christ, get this now, you will be influenced. But understand, when you know who you are in Christ, you become the influencer. Very, very important. Very important. It's why I want you to see the value that you have, the value that God places in you. You're valuable. You're the influencer, and you're called to make a difference. Here in Auburn, in Opelika, or wherever you work. Amen. Listen, you're called to be the salt and light. All right, That's what you're called to do. And both of those bring changes. All right, Salt brings flavor, light brings clarity. And look, we're not just set apart from sin, but we're set apart for a purpose. We're set apart to influence those within our sphere about Christ. Remember, it goes back to that realm of influence that I keep talking about. You have it. It can be where you work, where you live, your family. I don't know. You all have it. You're friends. Come on, you all. I think everybody in here probably has that friend that doesn't know Jesus or just continues to live the life they want to live. Come on, how are you influencing that person? Think about it. Think about that. Amen. So, how do we walk a set apart and live a God-first life? I'm going to ask you these four questions, and I want you just to answer them. Nobody's going to see this but you, so be honest. Answer these questions, and then, then earnestly look at yourself and see if there's anything that you need to change. You know, understand that one of the key components to any success in your life, whether it be natural or spiritual, in business or at church, come on, is remaining teachable, remaining coachable. Don't become a know-it-all. All right? Don't do that. Listen, a know-it-all comes from insecurities in that person's self that's just trying to prove to somebody else that they're better than they actually are. Don't do that. Nobody wants to be a know-it-all. Remain coachable. Remain moldable. Remain teachable. And have the attitude that you can learn something from every person you come in contact with. And you may be having a conversation with them and they tell you how to do this and that and the other and you're thinking, no... We don't do that, but don't let that come out of your mouth. You focus on what you can learn from that person, all right? Have that God kind of attitude, amen? All right, so be willing to look at yourself and see if you need to make some adjustments. We all have to make adjustments at one time or another, all right? There again, no condemnation. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm I'm preaching this to help you, amen? So, number one, do you honor God with your time? Alright, we all have the same 24 hours in a day. Alright, and Psalms 144.4 says, and I love this, it says, our life is like a breath. It is so short. See, we, we, we get so caught up in thinking that we just got forever. Alright? And, and life is shorter than you think it is. Alright? And are you, are you honoring God with your time? Are you spending time reading God's Word like you should be? Nurturing that relationship with God. If you don't read... His Word, you're never going to understand how He's leading you or how He's speaking to you. Amen. So you've got to be doing that. Or is your morning too hectic? Come on, think about it. Or do you need to press in a little harder? Excuse me. Now, is it more important for you to be at the lake or the ball game on Sunday instead of at church? Come on. And we say this. This time of year, everybody travels, and that's okay. Vacations are okay, you know. It's just like when you just don't go on a vacation four weeks out of the month, you know. We need you here, all right? And dads, I'm going to throw this one out there before Father's Day. Are you praying with your wife and family, all right? Guys, this is very important. Listen, you need to be known. You are the spiritual leader of your family. You need to know what's happening in your life. Your kids need to see you sit down with your wife and your children looking at the looking at the budget. Listen, your wife may write the checks and she may do the budget, but you need to be aware and you need to be praying over it as the spiritual leader. You need to pray in the direction you need to go and your kids need to see that if you want them. To ever walk into the things of God. They're going to follow your example. So I want you need to be doing this. And moms if there's no dad there. You take that ball and you run with it. You don't stop. Because they're watching your lead also. They're watching. And it's vitally important. Spending time in prayer. As a family. is so vitally important. And it's so overlooked today. Just a few minutes. Just a few minutes. Will make a big big difference. Now. Number two, do you honor God with your talents? Now, look, this isn't a plug to get you to come serve here at church. Yes, we have some areas always. I think every church always has areas where they need people help, where they need serving. All right? But that's not what this is about. What this is about is are you honoring God with your God-given talents in a way of serving other people? In other words, when is the last time you... You you had a neighbor down the street that was maybe sick and and needed their grass cut, and and you just went and did it. Not to get paid, just do it, to serve. Or maybe you cooked a meal for them because they were sick, and they just couldn't do it. And you just did it because God put it on your heart. It's not about money. What I'm talking about here is about using your God-giving talents to serve others. Amen? Think about that. Now, this is the next one is the hardest one, and most pastors will never preach this, but I'm going to preach it, because I made an oath to bring you absolutely nothing but the truth, okay? Do you honor God with your temple? Now, nobody likes talking about this today, especially in today's day, where we have the right to do what we want with our temple. Temple is your body, Okay? Your temple is your body. and I'm not getting into what you can or can't do. I'm not the pastor police. That's between you and God. Amen. But I am going to tell you what the Word of God says. Amen. So, for 1 Corinthians 6, 19, 20 says, You should know that your body is a temple for the Holy Spirit that you received from God that lives in you. You don't own yourselves. God paid a very high price to make you His. So, honor God with your body. Man. I mean, that says it all right there. But understand this. We have five basic senses, okay? And those senses, they can bring, they of course can give us pleasure, all right? And they can give us comfort. They, can, they also give us what we need to survive, all right? But what I want you to see here is how the devil can use your senses. And that goes back to how they give us pleasure, all right? And the devil can use and will use and does use your physical senses to draw you into deeper, more controlling sin. All right? Be very careful with that. Be very, very careful. Somebody needs to hear this, okay? All right? Listen. Don't get drawn into what just feels good. That's living by the flesh. Remember, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in the body. All right? Living by the flesh means we're living what makes our body feel good, all right? That can lead into all kind of sexual dangers, very dangerous, all right? Be very aware, all right? And I want to talk about the senses really quick. What are you putting before your eyes? Remember, whatever you put here and here, you're feeding your inward spirit. You're feeding your inward man, Be aware of what you're allowing inside there. Listen, whether you're not even conscious of what's on that TV or conscious of what's on that radio, your inner man is taking that in. All right, be aware. Just be intentional. Be intentional. Matthew 6, 22 says, "Your, Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. All right? Listen, I'm going to be blunt here. If you're allowing some kind of pornography in your eyes, listen, you can't be doing that. And it's so readily available now. You can get everything and anything in your phone. And, and parents, if you're giving your phones these kids at young age, you better put the right apps on there. You better put the right protection on there because it's not fair to trust a young child to, to deal with that temptation. Amen? It's very dangerous. Very dangerous. What, just be aware of what you're watching. How violent are the movies? How much sex is in the movies? Come on. Stop. 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 Now, what are you putting in your ears? All right? And, of course, that's very simple. Stay away from the foul language, the vulgar language, the the, uh, the the explicit lyrics in some of this music. Be very careful of the secular music and some Christian music. If you listen to some Christian music, you realize all they're doing is saying, hey, I can market this as a Christian song just to make money, but the lyrics will actually pull you away from what you believe. Just a nugget and then the truth. Amen. So be aware of what you allow in your ears, okay? And now this next one, <laughs> what are you putting in your mouth, okay? And this is one that is just, you know, with people now thinking that, believing that they can do whatever they want whenever they want. Listen, are you just gorging on unhealthy food? But you got to think about your body as the temple of the Holy Spirit. Listen, you buy your car and you do everything you can to maintain it perfect so it doesn't break down. Your body's the same way. I talked with a gentleman. What, the reason I put this in there, I talked with a gentleman last week here in Opelika. And he told me, he said, well, he said, I need prayer. And, and I, I used to work with him in, in, here in town, and, and he, he's in and out of church. And I said, well, what do you need prayer? You know, I like to be specific. I need to know what I'm, what I'm praying for. And he told me, he said, well, I've got an illness. I won't, And he, I said, how did it come, back, come about? And he said, well, it's because of my diet. I ate this way for the past 12 years. And I just sat there. My heart just broke. Because see, he put himself in this position. He made choices in his life at an early age. And now he's dealing with the consequences that comes from him. Now, of course, I prayed with him. And I believe God will perform a miracle. Because where he's at, he's going to need a miracle. Or in so, so many years, he could very well lose his life. All right? But listen, don't put yourself in that position. Be aware. Now, listen, I'm not saying you can't have a Krispy Kreme here and there. Come on, I like them. I love my Krispy Kreme. That's okay. Listen, I'm not the pastor police, but I'm just saying be aware. Be aware of what's happening in your life. Be aware of how you're feeding your, your body, all right? Exercise some. Maybe, maybe start walking or just do something. Amen? Be aware. Now, next one is what are you touching? All right, now this is the one. Well, let me read 1 Corinthians 6, verse 18. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. Look, that's pretty straightforward. If you are participating in sex outside of your marriage, outside of that marriage covenant, you need to stop, repent, and you need to come see me. All right? And listen, or at least stop and repent. You need to stop. If you're out here and you're participating in sex before marriage... You better stop and repent. All right? Stop and repent. Sexual sin has gotten so crazy in this world that we live in. And so socially accepted in this world. And it's not just America. It's everywhere. The the enemy devil has used this so so against people because we are living by what feels good. Amen? And he's pulling so many ways. And he's separating families separating godly families. There are pastors that are falling into this. Come on. It is a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous weapon. Be aware of it. Don't fall victim. Amen? Don't fall victim. And now, number four, are you honoring God with your treasure? Now, I, I put this in there, and we, are, you guys are awesome. So, and I am talking about money here. And the reason I'm talking about this is And you guys are awesome. You do great giving and we we did great support in the missionaries. I just want to emphasize the importance of that. Be a cheerful giver and and, and be not just here. I'm talking about supporting the kingdom of God in outreach programs, missionaries, wherever. Because listen, you can be wherever and God move on your heart to help somebody and it doesn't have anything to do with this church. It's just you coming up being willing to help that person and them seeing God in you. I was at the gas station the other day, and the guy in front of me was buying a Coke and a drink, and I noticed he was paying for it with all a bunch of dimes and nickels. He was short 60 cents, and and he was embarrassed, I could tell, and he didn't have 60 cents, and he left it on the counter with his change and went outside to get his 60 cents. Of course, I paid for mine, paid for his 60 cents, walked out the parking lot, and he came up to me, and he, he said, I just want to shake your hand. He said, I, "And I'm not tooting my own horn. I am just did what I felt led to do." He said, "I want to shake your hand." He said, "I just got out of prison three days ago. I've been in prison for 32 years." I said, "You have?" And he said, "I've just got back home. I don't have a job." He said, "I, I, I was able to get this money out of my uh, uh, his cousin's car uh, ashtray or whatever to get a, to get a coke." And, and I mean, he was almost in tears. And he just said, "He said I didn't know anybody was like this. Anybody would be this kind to me." And, and, and so, long story short, led me into, well, do you know Jesus Christ? And he did before the time I left, okay? So, <laughs> listen, be intentional and be, be willing to, and when God puts something on your heart, just to do it. Just to do it. If that means buying somebody's lunch, if that means buying somebody's groceries, buy somebody's groceries. Amen. Just doing whatever it can be. Because, listen, Matthew 6.21 says, wherever your treasure is, Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Amen. Now, really quick, I know this is long, but I want to go through ten ways. You know, I like my list. Ten ways to glorify God all day, every day in your life. Number one, I'll go through them kind of quick. Number one, you need to be glorifying God in your thoughts. All right? Now, this is is how so many people get sidetracked. So many people get pulled aside. What are you thinking of? All right, what are you thinking on? God knows your heart, and your thoughts and your emotions should be on godly things, right? All right, because listen, the inner self, all right, reflects your outer actions. All right, so what you're thinking on eventually you're going to respond to. All right, give you an example. Say you're at work, and then you work in your little cubicle, and all of a sudden they hire this pretty little hot mama. it walks by your cubicle every day, all right? Now, listen, there's no sin in realizing the lady's attractive. It's what you do when you realize it, all right? So you, do, you cast those thoughts down immediately when they start coming to your mind because as a man, you're attracted to women, and you're gonna, these thoughts are going to come. You cast them out. You handle them correctly, okay? But let's just say you let those thoughts fester up there, and you let them start growing, all right, after a couple of weeks go by and you're watching the hot mama walk by alone, before long, you're going to react to that. Amen, you're going to react. All right, it happens to me every time Michelle walks through the house. I'm just like, God, stop it, you know. <laughs> We're married. <laughs> Listen, keep your, th- keep your thoughts clean. Can you see what I'm saying? How you can get pulled astray? You can. What are you thinking about while you're driving around? You know, shake yourself up sometimes. Like, Whoa, I don't need to be thinking about that. Get out of here. You know, come on, be aware. Be aware. Don't get sucked in because you can get, so, you know, you do it long enough. You'll be like, well, everybody else is having an affair. You know, I guess it's okay for me. No, don't get sucked into that. Don't do it. Listen, we need to learn to glorify God in our words. All right. Very important. The way we speak to others and about others should glorify God. All right. What does that mean? Stay away from gossiping and murmuring. It's one thing that I don't ever want and won't ever allow in this church. I've seen it destruct many churches, and it will, all right? Stay away from the bad language, negative. Speak life over people. Come on. I don't care how bad they get on your nerves or how bad you just really don't like being around them. Maybe God's teaching you something about putting them next to you all the time. But listen, you speak life over that person. You love them as a child of God. Come on, speak positive words over people. Number three, you need to honor God in our deeds. Very simple put, our deeds should be a reflection of Christ, okay? When people see what you do for others, they need to see Christ in your actions, all right? Number four, we need to honor God with our attitude, okay? And listen, your perspective on life, the people that live with you and work with you every day, They know your real attitude. Now, you can put on a good attitude here at least for an hour or so on Sunday, but they know your real attitude. Listen, have a godly attitude, compassion, love, goodness, kindness. It's a choice. Did you know your attitude is set in place by the choices you make? If you choose to get up and just be mad at the world and grumpy and everything just breaking and this, that, and the other, then you're going to have a bad attitude. All right? But if you choose to get up and I don't care what's falling apart all around you and just laugh at it and say, "Well, glory to God, I'm going on to work." And then just, you know what? It's a choice. Make the right choice and have a godly attitude. Compassion, compassion. And number 5, we need to honor God in our physical self. Of course, we just talked about that with how we eat. Guys, it's very important. And I'm, all I'm going to say on this is is there's so many people dealing with weight issues, and I'm not, you know, everybody's like, oh, you're the skinny, listen, I've tried to gain weight my whole life, I couldn't gain weight, but listen, I'm not talking about somebody, anybody in particular, (laughs) just be aware, be aware. All right, number six, we need to learn to honor God in good and bad times. Look, it's easy to honor God in good times, of course, we know that, and we've talked about this, counting it all joy you know, and and thanking God for the victory before we see the victory. Listen, be intentional, even when times look rough, to stand firm in your faith and your trust in God and know that he's going to see you through, all right? Number seven, we need to learn to glorify God in our work. Now, this is one. Listen, I'm a business owner, and I've been in management a lot of different times in my life and hired and fired a lot of people. And I'm going to tell you, that is the... And Kevin's probably out there shaking his head, you know. The hardest thing about being a small business owner is the hiring people. It really is. And and, and, and a lot of the mindset of people today is they only want to do just... They don't really want to do this much, but they only want to do just enough. And then they are quick to tell you there's laws that protect me that I don't have to do any more than that, all right? That's not a God-first attitude at all. Listen... When you have the understanding that God blesses you with a job, all right, God blesses you with a job because He's preparing you for the next step in your life. Now listen, that job may be washing trash cans. You may be like, "Gosh, God, why, am I, why, what a blessing is this." don't question it. You just do it. And you go in there and you clean those trash cans like they've never been cleaned before. God, and then you try to figure out what it is God's trying to show you by this blessing. And listen, when you go into it with the right attitude, you're not going to stay the trash can washer for long. You're going to be promoted to the next level, then the next level, then the next level. And it all is dictated by your attitude, your attitude. Listen, we should do everything that we do as unto the Lord. It, I mean, as unto the Lord, and, and and I love one of the one of the old and mar, oldest marketing strategies for small businesses. You present yourself like a million dollars, and you do everything you can possible to live up to that, and you keep that standard. And listen, if you keep that standard in your business, I mean, you will. It keeps you striving to be the best, even though you may not have the million dollars. All right, but it keeps you pushing forward. To be the best. Amen. So have a good work ethic attitude. All right. And it should reveal God's glory. All right. People need to see why there's something different about you. Now, number eight, we need to learn to glorify God in our play. All right. And now this goes back to our entertainment. What movies are we going to see? What TV are we watching? Okay. And, and, and I'll go one step further. Social media. Now listen, I know pastors preach on this every week, but did you know that when I go and sit down with somebody now to have a conversation to have lunch, it's very seldom that after a few minutes they're not doing this. That's called fubbing, P-H-U-B-B-I-N-G. Don't fub me when we have lunch, okay? Don't do it again. If you do it again, no, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Listen, don't let that consume you. That could be the very well, could be the distraction the enemy is using to pull you away from reading your Word. And listen, this is the dangers of technology. People say, well, I've got the app right here. Well, what are they doing? They're switching back and forth. They're not truly feeding and meditating on the Word of God. That's the importance of having your paper Bible, okay? Because listen, even though you may have it here, That's all fine and dandy, but understand it's so easy for the enemy to distract you to go over here to this other app or go do this or take this phone call or take this text. Come on. Enough on social media because y'all are all looking at me like I'm going to kill you. (laughs) Listen, be focused on godly media. Don't let it control your life, okay? And listen, in sports... They, on the news last night, two softball teams in a church league in Atlanta got into a brawl. i like, really? Come on. What? what? Come on, really? And I mean, they arrested like 15 of them. It was that bad. Okay? Listen, in sports, set a godly example. Play fair. Use patience. Walk in love. Be honest. You know, I tell Anna all the time. She likes to cheat in her little card games and her little ways, this, that, and the other. And I get on her for this. I'm like, don't do that. And listen, I'm being serious here. Don't do it. It's funny now. But listen, if you'll cheat in a little card game as a teenager, what are you going to do in five years when you're in a relationship? These things grow. All right? These things grow. Take control of it now. Cast it out. It may just seem like innocent little fun, but don't let it fester in there and grow. Amen? And listen, when you're hanging out with your buds or shopping with your lady friends, just know to behave in a manner that glorifies God. Amen. Number nine: Learn to glorify God in our evangelizing. All right, very simple. At some point, you're going to need to share your testimony. All right, be, listen. Be passionate about your testimony. Be passionate about an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody. Listen, that's what we're called to do. All right, and that the passion is what we're missing in church today. The passion. Seriously, people are not happy and hungry for the things of God, and they're not excited for what God has done in their life, and they're not excited to share that story. But understand, that story and that testimony is what's going to change somebody's life. Somebody's life could be in the balance because they haven't heard your testimony yet. All right, be passionate about it. Now, and number 10, lastly, in our relationships, all right, the way you treat your family and friends should be a reflection of how christ treated people amen always 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 endeavor to go after and create happy healthy relationships with everybody around you it's very very important amen all right now look i know you are tired of hearing of me it's been long been a long morning and i know this was hard for some of you to hear but God really put this on my heart for somebody intentional. I don't know who it is. Listen, I'm not trying to get in everybody's business. I told you I'm not the pastor police. You know, I'm not. I'm not out saying who's drinking, who's watching this, who's doing this, and who's doing that. That's not my job. My job is just to share the scripture with you and let you you figure it out on your own with a little help from me between you and God of what you're doing is right or wrong. Amen. If I don't challenge you, you don't grow, all right? If I don't push you a little bit, sometimes you won't step into the potential that God has or that you have. God has given you, all right? And I'm not doing my job. And listen, I I don't think you'll ever truly understand how passionate I am about what I'm doing. I'm not doing this at all just to say, say that I'm building a big church in Auburn, all right? Now, if God takes us to a big church level, that's great. I believe at some point we will because we'll have enough healthy people that everybody around here is going to realize that, hey, I want that too. And they need that, all right? But that's not my goal. My goal is so much to see you succeed in walking victory. Amen. I made that vow to God. I did. I, I, said, I told him, I will always bring the truth. And I'm not going to be one that preaches a, a watered-down, feel-good message about rainbows and ponies. I'm not going to do it. I'm not. Listen, that's that's doing you an injustice. And that's very, very popular in church culture now. Pastors want to preach soft messages and not putting any pastors down. Maybe they need to look at themselves and make an adjustment. They they preach soft messages. And this is one danger of bringing in the business model into the church world. Because in the business model says, hey, you need to keep your people. You need to have a lot of people to, to pay the bills. So pastors pre- tend to preach softer messages so nobody feels any condemnation. Come on. And listen, listen, I don't ever want to preach a condemnation message, but I want you to be aware of how the enemy works. All right? So you can overcome. Amen? I want you to walk in victory, okay? Walk in victory. And we're never going to do it unless we lay down our own desires and live a God-first life. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for for the grace that you've given me to preach this message, Lord. And I pray that the right person heard it. And Father, I pray that they'll take it to heart. They'll take it. And actually, I pray that every person in this room will take this message, will just turn it on themselves and look at themselves and see what areas they need to adjust, myself included. Father, I'm doing it. As I wrote the message, I'm just checking ways. I'm like, boom, I need to do this. I need to do this. Well, Father, I pray that 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 sits in their hearts and they see what areas that they need to adjust and they simply make the adjustments. And Father, I pray that as they make these adjustments, they will come into an understanding that they are called to expand this kingdom of God, that they are called to fulfill a purpose. That they are called to do a job that only you have called them to do. And see the value that you have in them. The value. They were so valuable that you sent your only son to die for them. Glory to God. How fabulous. How fabulous. And Father, I pray that every person here is going to choose, make the right choice. Put God first. Live life next. Glory to God. Glory to God. I pray that. And Father, I pray right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, just simply raise your hand. Just raise your hand now, and if you do, I'm going to ask you to come down here and talk with me after service. Glory to God. All right. Looks like we're all family, and that's good. Well, glory to God. Father, I just praise you. And and Father, I pray that, just, I pray that the Holy Spirit comes. and and just ignites a fire in the people of Compass Church so we can influence those that are around us. I want everybody in this church to be an influencer, God. I want them to know who they are in you and so that people will want what they got, will want what they got, and we can impact our community. And Father, we just give you all the grace and all the glory and all the praise and honor in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Glory to God.